a pastor friend of mine who by necessity leads his own singing. And he told me first thing every day he goes into his study, first thing he does is he prays that the Lord send him a song leader. Sean, I should start my day thanking God for you every day. I'm so thankful for a song leader. The songs you pick out is such a blessing. All right, if you would, open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 46. Genesis 46, we'll begin reading in verse 28. We'll read down through verse 6 of chapter 47. And he sent Judah before him unto Joseph to direct his face unto Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen and presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said unto Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. And Joseph said unto his brethren, and unto his father's house, I will go up and show Pharaoh, and say unto him, My brethren, and my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are come unto me. And the men are shepherds, for their trade hath been to feed cattle, and they have brought their flocks and their herds, and all that they have. And it shall come to pass, when Pharaoh shall call you, shall say, What is your occupation? That ye shall say, Thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth, even until now, both we and also our fathers, that ye may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. And Joseph came and told Pharaoh, and said, My father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come out of the land of Canaan, and behold, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto his brethren, What is your occupation? And they said unto Pharaoh, Thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. They said moreover unto Pharaoh, For to sojourn in the land are we come. For thy servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is sore in the land of Canaan. Now therefore we pray thee, let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. The land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of their land make thy father and brethren to dwell. In the land of Goshen let them dwell. And if thou knowest any men of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. We'll end our reading there. Let's bow together. Our Father, how thankful we are that you've been pleased in your goodness to your people to allow us another opportunity to meet together here in the middle of the week to gather together out of the world with thy people. Father, sing your praises, to come before you in prayer, bow before your throne, to open your word, to read it, study it, and we pray have Christ crucified preached to us out of it. Father, I pray you'd give us the spirit of true worship this evening. That you'd bless us with your presence. That you'd bless us with another sight of Christ the Savior. Father, enable us to worship in awe and wonder. And have that worship strengthen and encourage and comfort our hearts. 
Father, we're so thankful for a, a place that you've provided for us where we can meet together. Father, I pray you continue to, to bless this congregation, that you continue to bless the preaching that goes forth from here. Father, that you might enable us by your power to, to minister to our generation, to preach Christ to our generation, that you'd use the preaching of Christ crucified to call out your people, comfort and edify and instruct your people, to draw us ever near to Christ our Savior. Father, what we pray for ourselves here tonight, we pray for your people, wherever they might be meeting together tonight. Father, bless them for your great name's sake. We pray a special blessing for Brother Eric there in Lexington. Pray you'd bless him in preaching and bring him back home safe to us tonight. And Father, for your people that you've brought into the time of trouble and trial, we pray that you'd go with them into the valley. We know that you're with them. Father, give them a, a special portion of your presence. Comfort their heart with your, with your presence. That even in the midst of the valley, they find, find comfort in thee. Father, we pray you might be healed, pleased to heal and deliver as soon as it could be thy will. All these things we ask in that name which is above every name. The name of Christ our Savior. Amen. I've titled the message this evening, Dwelling in Christ. Jacob's family, 70 souls, has left Canaan. And now they're coming to live in Egypt in the land of Goshen. And Goshen is a picture of Christ. This is a, a picture of God's elect living in Christ. I'll give you just a little bit of understanding of the history of Goshen so we see why this is a picture of Christ. Goshen was considered the best land in all of Egypt. This was the best place to live. It was a delta that still flooded even during this time of, of famine. It still flooded so grass could grow there. And that's a, a picture of Christ. The world that we live in is in a spiritual famine. It's a desert. There's no life there. There's nothing that gives life. There's nothing that supports life. But in Christ, there's life. In Christ, God's people have life. It's the only place that life is found in Christ. And that's where God's people dwell by his grace. If you dwell in Christ, you dwell in the best place. You can't dwell in a better place because there's spiritual life there. And the 70 descendants of Jacob that came to Egypt, every last one of them came to Goshen. It wasn't some of them lived in Goshen and some of them lived somewhere else. They all lived in Goshen. That's God's elect. All of them, without exception, they all dwell in Christ. They all have the blessings of dwelling in Christ. Now, Jacob doesn't know it yet, but we know this because we know the story. Going to Egypt is going to turn out to be a very, very trying experience for Israel, isn't it? But you know what? If they never went to Egypt, they never would have experienced the blessings that are found in Goshen. They never would have known the joy of being redeemed from Egypt. They were still living in Goshen when they were redeemed from Egypt. If they never gone to Goshen and gone to Egypt, they never would have known the joy of being set free from bondage because of the blood of the Passover lamb. Just like Adam's race. Falling into death and sin in Adam has been a very trying, I guess, it's horrible, I don't know what word to use, a very horrible experience for God's elect to fall into sin, 
to fall into, into death, to, to be thrust out of God's presence. But do you know if we had never fallen in Adam, we'd never know the joy of redemption in Christ. If we didn't know death in Adam, we'd never know the joy of life in Christ. If we'd never been made unrighteous in Adam, we'd never know the joy of being made righteous in Christ. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that righteousness which is of faith, the righteousness of Christ. We'd never know that joy if we didn't fall in Adam first. If we'd never fallen into bondage to sin, we'd never know the joy of being God's free men. Christ's free men set free through the blood of his sacrifice. You see, God's people, Israel, those that family of Jacob, they had to go to Egypt. And they went to Egypt, and there they lived, but they were never of Egypt. See, they were in Egypt, but they were always separated from the Egyptians. They always lived in Goshen. They were in Egypt, but they were not of Egypt. Well, that's God's people, isn't it? We live in this world. I mean, here we are. You know, we live in this world. But Scripture tells us we're not of this world. We dwell in Christ. We're of Christ. And even though it was a great trial, many, many, many of those years that they were there in Goshen, you know Israel saw some great blessings while they lived in Goshen. Look over at Exodus chapter 8. In Exodus 8, this is when the Lord sent the plague of the swarm of, of flies to Egypt. And do you know what? Not one fly came into the land of Goshen. Exodus chapter 8, verse 21. Else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarm of, swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people and into thy houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground whereon they are. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end that thou may know I'm the Lord in the midst of the earth and I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. I tell you, it's God that makes a difference in between the saved and the lost, between those in Christ and those out of Christ, between being in Egypt and being in Goshen. Then the Lord sent a, a plague and he killed all the animals, all the Egyptian animals. There are cattle and their camels and their donkeys and everything. Not one Egyptian animal died in Goshen. Look in Exodus 9 across the page here, verse 3. Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous moraine. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt. And there shall nothing die of all that is in the children, is in, that is the children of Israel's. And the Lord appointed a set time saying, tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow. And all the cattle, all the animals of Egypt died. But of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. There is no death in Goshen, was there? And there's no death in Christ. Then the Lord sent another plague. He sent a fiery hail, a hail that mixed with fire that would run, run across the ground. He sent that in all the land of Egypt, destroying everything. But no hail fell in the land of Goshen. Look in Exodus 9, verse 24. 
So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field and brake every tree of the field. Only the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel, uh, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. There's no judgment. There's no fiery judgment in Christ. Then the Lord sent another plague. He sent the plague of darkness in Egypt. And you guessed it, there was darkness in all the land of Egypt, but not in Goshen. Look at Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. There's no darkness in Christ. In Christ we see. In Christ I see how can God be God and still save a sinner like me. In Christ I see. Then on the night of the Passover, every firstborn in those Egyptian houses died. And the firstborn in every Israelite house lived because there was blood on the door in every house in Goshen. There can't be any death where the blood of Christ has been applied. So Goshen was a very special place, wasn't it? I mean, if I was going to have to live in Egypt at that time, I sure would want to live in Goshen, wouldn't you? Well, dwelling in Christ is a special, special blessing. What a blessing of God's grace. There's life, there's light, there's no judgment, there's no death in Christ. If I've got to live a time in this world, I sure do want to live in Christ while I do it, don't you? Well, now here's the question. I don't think anybody would say I don't want to live in Christ. Then here's the question. How do I get in Christ? Well, it's the same way Israel came to live in Goshen. I'm going to give you five pictures of that. Look back at Genesis chapter 45 to start. Number one, God's elect live in Christ by divine purpose. Genesis 45 verse 9. This is when Joseph first revealed himself unto his brothers. In verse 9, he says, Haste ye, go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not, And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. And thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children and thy children's children, and thy flocks and thy herds and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee. For there are yet five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. Now before Jacob even knew Joseph was alive, Joseph had already determined this. Jacob and his whole family are going to go live in, in Goshen. He already determined that. And they're going to go live in Goshen because that's what Joseph purposed for them to do. That's what the king purposed. See, Jacob wasn't there in Canaan and say, you know, there's a there's a famine here. It's very grievous. And boys, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go down there to Egypt. We're going to dwell in Goshen because I hear that's the best land in all the world. You know, we're... Jacob didn't decide that. Jacob couldn't decide that. 
Joseph could. And Joseph did. And Joseph made his purpose come to pass. Well, here's the picture. Before man ever fell in the garden, before anything was even ever created, Almighty God purposed that his people would live in Christ. Before time began, the Father put all of his people in Christ. It was the Father's purpose. It was the Father's will. It was the Father's decision. That's how they got in Christ. See, man can't make the decision to accept Jesus as our personal Savior, and now we're going to live in him. Dead, fallen man doesn't have the capacity to make that decision. And even whatever decision we do make, I promise you, it's going to be away from Christ. It's not going to be to live in Christ. We're, we will, our nature will always choose sin over righteousness. We'll choose works over grace. We'll choose death over life every time. You and I can't make the decision to live in Christ. But God can. And God did. God willed for his people to live in Christ. And by his power, he made his will come to pass. That's how they live in Christ. All right, number two. Now look at at, uh, Genesis 46, verse 28, where we began reading earlier. God's people live in Christ because Christ leads his people to live in him. Verse 28 says, And he sent Judah before him unto Joseph to direct his face unto Goshen, and they came unto the land of Goshen. Now here, Jacob's made this trip with his whole family. They get to the to the edge of, of of Goshen, and now he's got to send one of his sons in there. You know, let let Joseph know that they're there and make these arrangements. You know, so they know where they're supposed to go. He's got eleven sons there. It's no coincidence he picked Judah. He picked Judah to lead them in, because Judah is a type of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to be born of the tribe of Judah, the kingly tribe. He has to come from the tribe of Judah, doesn't he? The Lord Jesus Christ is king. He's king of all kings. He's coming through the line of Judah. And since Christ is king, he has the authority to lead his people into him. He has the authority to make his people lawful citizens of his kingdom. You know, God's people don't dwell in Christ as an illegal alien. You know, you're there, but you ain't supposed to be there. A just God will never allow that to happen. God's people don't dwell in Christ on a temporary visa that could be revoked at any time. God's people dwell in Christ as a permanent resident. It's by the declaration of Christ the King. You know, we used to make those trips to Mexico I was just a little bit nervous the whole time we were there. Because when you go in there, was is a visa, is that little piece of paper that they give you a temporary visa? And they get real mean looking at you and saying, now don't lose this. You gotta, if anybody stops you, you gotta have this. And you can't get back out of this country without this little piece of paper. I mean, I check for that little piece of paper 55 times a day. I mean, I'm just so nervous I was gonna lose that thing, you know. Uh, I don't have that worry when I'm in the United States of America. I belong here. I didn't belong down here in Mexico. You didn't have to look at me very long and say, that guy don't belong here. One of these things not like the other. I belong here. God's people do not dwell in Christ on a temporary visa. You get kicked out at any moment. No, they belong there. 
Christ made it so he led them. He led them into himself. Look over at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Now how did the sheep get out of the world into the green pastures. How did the sheep do? The shepherd led them. He led them out. The good shepherd leads his people into himself. He's the one that, he's the shepherd that leads us and he's also the city in which we dwell. He's everything, isn't he? He's the one who leads us in. If you're one of God's sheep, this I can promise you. God the Holy Spirit is going to come to you He's going to lead you into Christ. He's not going to drive you. He's not going to beg you. He's going to show you Christ and he's going to lead you in. And you'll follow willingly. All right, number three. When we dwell in Christ, Christ is all that matters. There's no other issue. There's no other subject. Christ is all that matters. Look at Genesis 46, verse 29. And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen and presented himself unto him and he fell on his neck and wept a good while. And Israel said unto Joseph, Now let me die, since I've seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. Now for 21 years, over two decades, Jacob thought his favorite son, Joseph, was dead. Now, I'm sure over the course of 21 years, as much as a, a person can, Joseph came to, or Jacob came to terms with the fact his favorite son was dead. He came to terms with that, but he still sorrowed. He still missed his favorite son. And after 21 years, Jacob finds out that Joseph is alive. And he takes this long journey, and at the end of that long journey, he sees his favorite son. He sees Joseph. Joseph runs up to him and hugs him. And it says here that Jacob and Joseph hugged each other and wept on each other's neck a good while. You reckon? You reckon? Our daughter Holly's working in town this week. Instead of staying in the hotel, she's staying with me and her mama. And she got home last night, and uh, we, Jan and I both just ran and hugged her. And I hugged her. Oh, it felt so good to have my baby in my arms. And I just hadn't seen her in two weeks. Jacob hadn't seen Joseph in 21 years. Can you imagine how good that felt to that old man? Jacob's heart just about. I would imagine had to burst with happiness that just had to feel so good for him to put his arms around that favorite son. When that happened, I promise you this, Jacob didn't care one bit 
about his surroundings. Not one bit. He didn't care what kind of clothes he was wearing, what kind of shoes he was wearing. Jacob didn't care that he was going to go live in a place where there was the best houses and, and the best green pastures living. He didn't care. Jacob didn't care that he was going to be provided with more material blessings than almost anybody in the face of the earth had. All Jacob cared about was seeing Joseph. Just let me see him one more time. Now that really happened. That happened to these men, to Jacob and to Joseph. That happened to them. This is their life experience. But do you see the picture? A believer, one of God's children, is more blessed than human language can express. We just can't express it. I know there are things that bother us, there are things that pain us, there are things that disturb us. Um, but God forgive me for ever complaining. A believer has been blessed more. I just You can't express it. The Lord blesses his people with things in this life. He gives people the, the things we need in this life. He taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. If we don't have it, he gave it to us. And Lord's given in handfuls, heaps upon heaps to every single person here. He has. But the believer doesn't follow the Lord for the things that he gives. No, he doesn't. The multitude who follow the Lord after the, the miracle of the loaves and fishes, you know where they are following him? They just wanted a free lunch. They just wanted a free lunch. They're following him for what he could give them. A believer follows Christ because we love him. Hmm? I have to have him. I don't care what kind of food he gives me or doesn't give me. I have to have him. I have to have him. There's such a difference. The Lord heals. I know the Lord worked many miracles and healed people and, and flocks and flocks and flocks of people followed him because he healed people physically. I mean, he healed them of many diseases and but the believer doesn't follow the Lord because he can heal me. The believer follows the Lord because I must have him. I must have him. I must be in his presence. I must have his presence in my heart. I must hear of him. I must be given faith. I, I, I can't live without him. And the Lord promises his people blessings in glory that are indescribable. I mean, the, the, the scriptures don't give us very, very little description of what heaven is like. Partly, maybe that's so, you know, we, we focus on what the Lord's given us to do here. And largely it's because we couldn't understand him. They told us. I mean, the Apostle Paul said, I went there and saw it. And I, I can't possibly tell you what I saw. I can't possibly tell you. It's blessings that are indescribable. Just like Joseph given the land of Goshen to Jacob. Jacob was going to receive everything he was going to receive in Goshen. It's not, you can't even compare that to what a believer is going to receive when this life is over. But the believer does not look forward to heaven because we want a big mansion in the sky or because we want to walk on streets of gold. The believer looks forward to heaven because there 
I'm going to see Christ face to face. No more weak faith between him and me. No more glass darkly between him and me. To see the Savior face to face. Ralph, they can take the streets of gold and the big mansions. That's not what I'm interested in. The believer says, give me Christ or else I die. He will be heaven to me. Wherever he's at. Wherever he's at. That's heaven for me. The believer is so taken up with Christ that seeing him, that knowing him, that being with him, that being made like him, that's my heart's desire. I have to have him. Doesn't Jacob sound a lot like Simeon here? Jacob was looking forward to Christ by faith. Simeon, working there in the temple, God promised him he wouldn't die till he saw the Lord's Christ. And Simeon was just going by his daily business, working there in the temple. And here came in Mary and Joseph and laid that eight-day-old baby in his arms. And he looked at that baby and he said, like Joseph, now I'm ready to die. Lord, let thy servant depart in peace. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. This is all I've ever wanted, to see him. I'm telling you, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but in our daily life, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, it's Christ, it's all that matters. Now, do the best job that you can do. Provide for your family. Be a good husband and a good wife and good child. Be a good neighbor. Be, I mean, all those things. But uh, do all that with this basic foundation. Christ is all that matters. Christ is all that matters. I want to be consumed with the Savior that way, don't you? All right, here's the fourth thing. A believer dwells in Christ by admitting that I'm an abomination. Genesis 46, verse 31. And Joseph said unto his brethren and unto his father's house, I will go up and show Pharaoh and say unto him, My brethren and my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are come unto me. And the men are shepherds, for their trade hath been to feed cattle. And they brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And it came to pass, and Pharaoh shall call you, and shall say, What is your occupation? That ye shall say, Thy service trade hath been about cattle from our youth even until now, both we and also our fathers, that we may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. Now, for whatever reason, shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians. I don't know why, but is it the rich, refined city folk, you know, look down on the poor country folk, you know, the white-collar people look down on the blue-collar people, got dirt under their fingernails from working them. I don't know why, but a shepherd was an abomination to them. I mean, they really, really, really hated shepherds. Remember when, when Joseph first brought his brothers home to eat with him? I mean, Joseph is somebody. I mean, these people love and respect Joseph. I mean, they got food to eat because of Joseph. 
And they still sat on by Joseph by himself. The Egyptians wouldn't eat with Joseph because he'd been a shepherd. He was a, that was an abomination to them. And that word means abomination. It means disgusting. It means unclean. And it means wicked. And Joseph is telling his brothers, now you admit to Pharaoh that you're disgusting, that you're unclean, and that you're wicked. Now I don't know if that, if that hurt their feelings or not, but, but that's what they did. You admit that you're a shepherd because when Pharaoh sees that you're an abomination, he's going to separate you from the Egyptians. He's going to put you over there by yourselves over there in the land of Goshen to keep you separate from all his good, clean people. Now, like I say, I don't know if that hurt their feelings or not. But if they're going to live in Goshen, they've got to admit they're an abomination. Now, the picture here of God's elect is so clear, you can't miss it. We have to see ourselves as an abomination before we can ever dwell in Christ. We have to see that our occupation is an abomination. And our occupation, that's our works. That's all the religious works that we're doing, trying to make ourselves righteous, trying to make God happy with us, trying to make it so we're good enough that that God might accept us. We have to admit that all those religious works, they're unclean and they're wicked. And we have to admit that our works are abomination because our nature is an abomination. See, we can only produce what our nature is. Our works are abomination because our nature is an abomination. We're unclean and we're wicked. That's what we are. Sin is what we are. We've got to admit, I've got no hope in myself because I'm an abomination. The only hope I have of righteousness and life and peace is in Christ. If your only hope of righteousness is in what Christ has done for you, then you know what? You dwell in the land of Goshen. Everybody that dwells in the land of Goshen knows that the only way I can be righteous is Christ's obedience for me. The question is this, are you a sinner? Now that's the question, are you a sinner? Christ died for sinners. Christ came to save sinners. He came to save even the chief of sinners. The question is, are you a sinner? Well, I hope you are. I hope you are. And I hope that that's not just sin is what you do. I mean, this is what you are. You're a sinner. If you're a sinner, then you know what? You dwell in Christ. You dwell in the land of Goshen because you fit the description of those that Christ came to save. He came to save abominations. That's who he came to say. And then fifthly, we dwell in Christ by saying what Christ says. Look at verse chapter 47 of Genesis. Then Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come out of the land of Canaan. And behold, they're in the land of Goshen. And he took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto his brethren, What is your occupation? And they said unto Pharaoh, Thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said moreover unto Pharaoh, For to sojourn in the land are we come. For thy servants have no pasture for their flocks. 
for the famine is sore in the land of Canaan. Now therefore we pray thee, let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. The land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land make thy father and brethren to dwell. In the land of Goshen let them dwell. And if thou knowest any men of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. Now these brothers that Joseph brought to Pharaoh, Joseph told them everything's going to happen. He said, I'm going to present you to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's going to ask you, what's your job? What's your occupation? And you tell him, when he does, you tell him this. And you know, Joseph's brothers said exactly what Joseph told them to say, didn't they? They said, well, you know, we're shepherds. We're, you know, that's what we've always been. We want to live in the land of Goshen. They didn't add any opinions of their own. They didn't add any input of their own. They didn't try to do something to, you know, to, to get Pharaoh to do what they wanted him to do. All they said was what Joseph said. Well, that's God's people. You know what a believer says? Exactly what Christ says. We say everything that Christ says about me is true. He says I'm guilty and I'm undone. I say that about myself. I'm guilty and I'm undone. He says, I don't have any hope in myself. I say, I don't have any hope in myself. You're right, I don't. I can't be saved by my works. The only way I can be saved is by God's grace. He's got to give me faith to believe. I'm helpless. I'm completely dependent on Christ. That's what he says. I say that because that's what he says. And we say about Christ what he says about himself. God wrote a whole book to tell us about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we sum it up by saying this. Christ is all. That's what we say about him. He's all. He's everything. He's my wisdom. He's my righteousness. My sanctification. My redemption. He's my prophet. He's my priest. He's my king. He's He's the only thing I have. I don't have any righteousness but his. I don't have any hope of forgiveness except in his blood. I don't have any hope of acceptance with the Father but in him. You reckon these five shepherds could have ever come into Pharaoh's presence without Joseph? Not a single solitary chance. But they came into Pharaoh's presence and Pharaoh was so happy to see him. Pharaoh said, oh, I'm so happy to see your, your father and your brother come. Give them the best of the land. Well, that wasn't because of them yahoos. It's because of Joseph. Pharaoh loved those men for Joseph's sake. He blessed them for Joseph's sake. If you come into the presence of God, accept it. You know how you're coming? Accept it in the beloved. It's the only way I dare come to the Father. I don't want any other hope. And I don't need any other hope other than Christ. I'm just resting in Him. Everybody that lives in Christ says that. We're saved by grace alone without any works. That's true, isn't it? I don't think there's nobody here would disagree with that. Say by grace, through faith, without any works of our own. We say that because that's what Christ says. But you know what else? Everybody that lives in Christ is a man and a woman of activity. Pharaoh said, if you find any men of activity, you put them over my my herds too, all my cattle. I mean, these guys are good at what I want them taking care of my cattle. God's people are people of activity. Now, we're not saved by our works. Not at all. We don't put any trust at all in our works. But we're also careful to maintain good works. Aren't we? 
Because that's what God told us to do. Careful to maintain good works. To serve God by serving his people. And that's the occupation of everybody that dwells in Christ. Everybody dwelt in, dwelt in the land of Goshen was a shepherd. People of activity. Everybody dwells in Christ. They're saved by grace. And they're people of activity, aren't they? All right. I hope the Lord bless that to you. Let's bow again. Father, how we thank you for this precious portion of your word that reveals Christ our Savior who would stoop so low to love and care for and suffer and die to redeem such a sorry lot as we are. Father, how thankful we are. Father, how thankful we are for your redeeming grace that puts your people in Christ. Father, I pray you'd comfort the hearts of your people with this blessed truth that you made us to dwell in Christ, in the Beloved, that everything he is, your people are, because we dwell in him, accepted in the Beloved, having our prayers heard for Christ's sake, being forgiven for Christ's sake. Father, how we thank you. I pray, Father, that you'd use this message as it's been preached to glorify your Son, to magnify him in the hearts and minds and eyes of your people that we might be caused to find such hope and peace and comfort in resting in him. Father, it's in his blessed name, for his glory, his sake we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.